Well, good morning. I grew up in uh, Half Moon Bay, California, and there was lots of people there. Good morning. Um, and it was on the coast in Half Moon Bay, a little town, and there was, uh, we had uh, in Half Moon Bay a, a pier that went out to the very end and a bunch of boats, fishing boats that would come in. And one of my great memories uh, as I was a child was uh, going with my dad to, to go fishing at the end of the pier. I was just there um, two weeks ago, and you're not allowed to do that anymore, not allowed to fish there. But I had uh, opportunities uh, on weekends with my father to, to go, and, and we would fish. And, and just the delight of being with my dad, and uh, we would fish for uh, smelt, which are just a little like sardine, and you put a bunch of hooks, and you pull them up, and you pull up about 12 or 13 uh, fish at a time, and it was just fun. And we used to use these certain worms that actually had pinchers on them, and they scared the heck out of me, so my dad would would help me to get the worm on the hook. And I just remember doing that. And the other thing that we would do is we would would trap uh, crabs. We would go uh, crab trapping. And so it was so much fun when we finally uh, would pull them in. And and, uh, we have a real tradition in our family of going and and breaking crab and sourdough bread. And it's kind of been this ongoing uh, deal for us. And just these wonderful times of fishing together and catching fish and and I know for him it was a struggle, you know, at times because like every little kid, the line gets tangled up and most of your time is, is helping your son uh, or daughter to, to get the fishing line uh, in the water. And so that for me was just a delight. And this morning we're going to look and we're finishing up John after uh, quite a lengthy run and it's been uh, just a joy to go through the Gospel of John that you might know that he is the Son of God and that by believing in that, that you may have life. That's why he wrote the book. And so as we finish up, it's interesting because you go, here is what the Holy Spirit laid upon John's heart to give us as kind of the final picture of Jesus at the end of his book. And so it has weight to it. It's the wrap-up. It's, let me give you, as you believe in him, let me give you what he has for us. And so he gives us John 21, and it's a fishing story. And so turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John, chapter 21. And I'm going to start in verse uh, 3 this morning. I am going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we will go with you. And so they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus, and he called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, and he jumped into the water. It's an incredible scene. Jesus had just been with them a little while ago, and he had said to them, 
as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. And they're confused. They've listened to the Lord. They've seen him resurrected. They're trying to understand who he is. Jesus appears, and then he comes back again, and, he, and he's gone for a while. And then he appears again, and they're going, what is it that the Lord has for us? Who is he? Who is this resurrected Jesus? How is this all going to play out? What does this look like for our lives now? That Jesus has died, has risen again, and now has come before us to give us his final words on how to live as he sends the Holy Spirit upon us. Well, look at the scene and what happens. They go back to fishing. Peter is a good fisherman. The other gentlemen are fishermen. They know how to fish. It's back in control. It's back in what I know and what I'm good at. Doesn't that look like that for us often? I'm good. I'm a good engineer. I have it all set out at HP. I can make this laser printer. I know how to do it. I know what kind of ink we're going to use. And and this world of mine, it's what I do. I'm good at it. And this is what I'm going to set out. I'm going to go back to making computers. You might be a wonderful housemaker, homemaker. I know how to get all the kids' lunches ready to go. I got all their schedules lined out. It's what I do. I'm good at it. It's organized. It's set. It's established. I'm a good student. I get good grades. I'm going to go and I'm going to read my book and I'll go to the library. And and, and this is what I do. And the Lord's stirring in your heart. Oh, there's so much more. That's your occupation. But there's more life in what you're at. And we often return to that because we're confused like they were. Wait a second. Lord, you've, you've called me out. You've said, you're sending me out. But I don't get that. What does it look like to love others? What does it look like to live for you? I don't quite understand. And so we do. We go back to what we know. Again, what we can be in control of as the Spirit starts to work in us. He's going, you know what? It's great. You know, you need a job. Create those printers. We need those printers. But what about John next to you in the cubicle whose wife has just left him? How about that guy? I'm sending you to go and minister to him. There's more to life than just laser computers. It's more to life than just being a good homemaker. What about your neighbor next door whose children are causing her grief and she's just empty and tired? How about you love that neighbor? I loved this uh, last Wednesday, dear ladies. You invited your friends and it was just a delight that you were sent out into your neighborhoods and into your communities and brought women here just to be loved by you and by the Lord Jesus. That's life. That's what it is about living out. There's more than just fishing for fish. But we often go back to that. And the Lord offers us more life of him. And so they're out there, and they're good fishermen. And they throw the net out all night long. And they fail miserably. They fall flat on their face. It's been a hard night. 
They're fishing without power bait. Many of you who fish use power bait. It's this wonderful, strong, scented little, it's marshmallows, and it's made out of kind of like a clay texture, and you use this stuff because it really attracts the fish. Power bait. And we often use it. They had no power. They fished in their own strength. They fished in what they knew. I'm good at this. This is what I'll do. And he calls out to them, and here's the Lord on shore. And he calls out to them, he says, children. It actually means, hey, little ones, young ones, ones that could be, you know, immature ones. It's like children. Hey, children. And he actually says this. Little children, you don't have any fish, do you? You don't have any fish, do you? Now, imagine if you're a fisherman who's good at fishing, and a guy on shore calls out to you. And if you've been around fishermen, you know what maybe the response was. (laughs) Yeah, we don't have any fish. It says in the scripture just, no, we don't. But I think there was more before that. Jesus, who's in control of all creation. See, he can move fish easily away from the boat. It's men that he has a struggle with moving sometimes. And he allows them to fail miserably. You don't have any fish, do you? Cast your net on the right side of the boat. Can you imagine the images coming into the minds of the disciples at this time? as they recognize it's the Lord, as he has spoken to them to cast their nets. Do you remember the scenes in the other Gospels early on when he called the disciples? And they were out. And as they cast their net, the scriptures say, one is Mark 4.19, as they cast their net, Jesus said, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me. I will make you fishers of men, not fishers of fish. You remember what the scriptures say? And immediately they left their nets and they followed Jesus. Can you imagine the flood of memories coming back into their hearts and their souls as they hear their Lord and recognize, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And here we are on a boat going, what do we do now? John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me, and you will bear much fruit, life of me. It goes on, apart from me, you can do nothing. You will never catch fish for the kingdom of God. You'll never be part of my spiritual work if you're trying to do this on your own. And he's trying to remind them, you guys, in the midst of your failure, remember where your source of power comes from. It's fine to catch fish, to eat them and to enjoy them, but there's more to life. And what there is as far as more life is the power of Christ working in you and living it out. I am sending you. 
And so they cast their nets on the other side, and it's full of fish. And John cries out, it is the Lord. And Peter gets so excited that he, and he throws on his, his outer garment, and he, and he jumps into the water. They're about 100 yards out. And he starts swimming towards Jesus. And we all go, why did he do that? And he starts swimming past him. You know, I wonder, you know, John, it says in the scriptures that John, as they raced to the tomb, John beat him uh, and got to the tomb first. I thought, well, maybe Peter wanted to beat uh, the rest of the guys to Jesus this time. But you can just imagine the scene. And this is the way Peter lives, and I love Peter because he's, he's just so spontaneous and he's so just right in the moment. And he's, just, he's got this zeal for God, and sometimes it's overdone. But he just jumps in and all clothes on. He never took a swimming lesson. That, you know, the more clothes you have on, the more difficult it is to swim. And, and, and I picture the scene that here he is swimming in his garment, and, and the guys in the little dinghy boat you know, are coming by rowing like, hey, Peter, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> and they pass him up, and I think Peter was probably the last guy there. He's a little slow, you know, but he's excited that it's the Lord. And he's so excited to see him, and, and he's, again, his emotions have been stirring about what God is doing now. And they come to shore. And they end up in this wonderful scene that is next is one of, of just beautiful intimacy. It's one where they sit before the Father, and they enjoy. And they have, Jesus has breakfast cooking for them he has a charcoal fire going he has fish cooking on the fire he has bread warming up and now it's an invitation to come and to have breakfast do you remember the meal the meal was a significant bond to eat together to dine together was one of of intimacy and close relationship And that's what Jesus invites us into. I am a friend of God. Do you know that this morning? Truly, you are a friend of God. I no longer call you slave, servant. You're my friend. I love relationship with you, he's saying. Just come and let's let's just have breakfast together. Do you ever think about Jesus that way? Truly. He just loves to do that. He loves to enjoy his creation and his loved ones. He loves the friendship. And he invites them in as he has this fish ready. And he says this. Hey, why don't you go ahead and bring some of the fish that you caught? Did he need those fish? Not really. Didn't he already have fish cooking up? I mean, it must be cool to be Jesus. Hey, little fishy. (laughs) got another one you know it's like i've had a good day guys you know it's just not fair darn it all and you got to love the scriptures point out there's 153 fish that they pulled in they couldn't believe it and you know a lot of people over here 153 what does that mean and it's symbolic is it you know if you if you add all the numbers between uh one five and three uh or no excuse me if you add uh the numbers between one and 17 uh, all together, it equals 153, and you, and you go, well, what does that mean? That means nothing. You know, I mean, people just come up with these theories, and, well, it must have been 153 A.D., you know, that was it. And, and uh, you go, nothing really happened in 153 A.D. I mean, it wasn't a very good year. It was a bad wine year. This whole thing was bad. 
And, and you know, people, again, create these theories. And so um, we just don't know, plain and simple. There's nothing to it. I think other than this, I came to give you life and to give it to you abundantly, John 10.10. 10. Don't you know that God just loves to pour out his life on us? I just wanted you to have a lot of fish. I wanted you to understand something, that in me, I just delight to do this with you. This is our life together, because you're my friend. You're my beloved. And so I give you an abundance of fish, so that you know it's all from me. Not in your own strength, not what you're good at. It's all life in me. This fishing story. See, the joy of the Father is fishing with us. And again, what happens is we often want to fish, we want to do ministry in our own strength, and we just want to, in a sense, fish for fish. That kind of becomes our mundane life. Today I go to work, I drive home, I have dinner, I give my kids a hug, I'm kind of tired, I go to bed. I fish for fish all day. He says, oh, there's so much more. And I want to invite you in, Jesus says, and I want you to fish with me. That'll be the joy. Again, you know what? We go out and we, again, just fish. I have some pictures, by the way, of just fishing for fish. That's Dennis Dixon pulling in a salmon right there. It was a nice fish. And then Tom and Dennis and I, that was a, Tom got a salmon as well, and I didn't get a salmon, but it's okay. But fishing for fish. Here is, here's what the enemy does. He loves it when all we do is fish for fish. And he just ensnares us and he snags us and basically devours us. Our life becomes just fishing for fish. And it's done. You know what? The father can catch fish. Let me show you this. Fresh from Albertsons, right there. (laughs) But here's what's better than just the father catching fish. Look at this. This is the joy of life. This next one, coming up soon. (laughs) This is Caleb when he was three years old. His very first fish. He was absolutely ecstatic with catching that fish. And we cooked it up. Here's Caleb at five. And it's a ton of fish. Our good friend let us fish at his pond, and it was stocked full. And all we did was just throw the line in, and, we, you know, we would nail him. And, and, you know, he had a hard time kind of getting the hook in, and so I would maybe get the hook in. And I, but I let him reel it in. It's his fish. Don't you understand? Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. Cast your net. Be fishers of men dear Cole Community Church, and that the Lord wants to do that with you. See, he can stir people's hearts, and he does. It's not our power, is it, that changes people's hearts? No, it's the power of Christ. It's him working. And then he goes with us, and he helps us hook that fish, sharing the love of God. And you know what? There really is nothing better than all of a sudden you get the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with someone, and they say, yes, I need life. And it's only in Jesus. What a joy it is. Like when Caleb caught his first fish, it's like, 
Thank you, Lord, that you included me in your kingdom work here. And you know what the Lord did like I did when, when Caleb got his first fish? I'm like, woohoo! I love this. Look at my son involved in this whole deal. Cast your net. Let's fish together. Let's share the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died on that cross, that he rose again, that he offers us life as we believe upon him. And so he says, come now have breakfast. And he serves them fish and he serves them bread. The disciples must have remembered. They must have remembered the time, the feeding of the 4,000 of the 5,000. And his way of fishing, Jesus' way of fishing is what? Serving. I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And he took off his outer garment and he washed the feet of the disciples and he said, do likewise. As we fish for men, let us serve and let us love. The harvest is plentiful, and the workers are few. And it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? The net on the other side. He wants us to be part of the kingdom work. He delights in that. He loves relationship with us. Look down to verse 15. And when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, he said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him, A third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Tend my lambs. You know, this next scene, this wonderful restoration of Peter, you know Peter had to be struggling in his soul with what God was doing with him. And so he comes to them. And the whole scene again has this image of the time of the denial of Jesus Christ. Do you remember when Peter was standing around the charcoal fire? And the woman said, this is one of his servants, one of his disciples. He said, no, it's not me, the smell of the charcoal fire. Three times, do you love me, Peter? Three times, I denied my Lord. It's this restoration of Peter that God wants to do with you and with me. You see, Peter claimed in Mark 14, he said, even if all else, all others fall away, I will not. And he was strong in that. I will never fall away from you, God. And so this time with the Lord is one of humility. Peter, do you agape love me? 
Do you self-sacrificially, everything laid out for me, do you agape love me, Peter? The Greek. This is where the joy of Greek really comes in. And Peter says, I phileo love you, Jesus. I brotherly love you. I love you deeply. Dear friend, you're, you're dear to me. Peter, do, do you agape love me? Do you radically love me, Peter? Jesus, I phileo love you. And then Jesus humbles himself like he always does, meets us right where we're at, and he says, Peter, do you phileo love me? Yeah, Jesus, I do. I phileo love you. And Jesus says in his restoration of Peter, and you cannot miss this, you know what? You thought you could agape love me, and you were humbled by the fact that you couldn't, but you laid bare before me where you're at. And even though you phileo love me at the moment, feed my lambs, tend my flock, take care of the little ones. Do you understand? We don't have it all together. We truly oftentimes can't say to the Lord, I agape love you. And he's saying, I still want to have life with you. Not only do I want to have life, I want you to enjoy life with me and I want you to love and continue to be used for my kingdom work. But his question to all of us, in the midst of all the busyness and trying to do what we think we should be doing in this Christian life, really reflect on this. Could you stand before Jesus and as he asks you that question, do you agape love me? What would you say? And he says, I love you right where you're at. He longs for that relationship. He doesn't force it on you. He says, love me back. And as you love me back, we have life together. And I know exactly where you're at. You don't need to fake it around me. You may be really wrestling with God today. He says, I know that. I know where your heart is for me. He doesn't want us to fake it. He still loves us. He still invites you to be part of his kingdom work. He just enjoys you. You are his friend. Can we sing, I love you, God? And so Peter is commissioned to do the work of God. He will be the rock. He will be the one who will stand up at Pentecost. He will be the one who will speak forth And the church will begin. And as his life went on, you have no doubt he agape loved Jesus, his Lord. And as they're walking along, and as Peter is doing his ministry, and as he's talking talking with Jesus, he sees John following behind. And he says, well, what about him? And what does Jesus do? He says, don't you worry about him. 
Don't you worry what I have in store for John. Do you love me, Peter? Do you, Rod, Richie, love me? Just focus on me and follow me. Don't worry about John. Don't worry about what the rest of this church is doing. How about you and me? How are we doing? Our minds get so caught up in how our brothers and sisters are spiritually that that we miss us. To the church of Ephesus, have we forgotten our first love? And he says, Peter, right here, I'm right in front of you. Do you love me? Will you follow the true fisher of men? God gives us this great fishing scene so that we might know that he is the Christ and that by believing in him, we might have life. Amen? Lord, we just, uh, we do, we want to say we love you this morning. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Lord Jesus. Thy kingdom come and truly thy will be done in our lives. And we just thank you, Father, that you call us friend. We thank you that you give us life in you. We thank you for this gospel of John. And and Lord, speak to us. And Father, truly search our hearts. We want to say we agape love you. And we, we just don't. And forgive us, Father, for not being there sometimes. Help us, Lord, to see more of you and to enjoy you and, and to love you more. Lord, help us to, to just be focused on you and me, not on, on what's going on around us. And Lord, thank you that you allow us to be part of your kingdom work, that you allow us to fish with you. What a, a joy it is, Father, to be part of that. We love you, Lord Jesus. May our worship be pleasing to you this morning. Amen. Well, we have a whole generation that Jesus is asking the question, will you follow me? And there are graduating senior hires, and Kelly's going to bring them on up, and he is going to share just a little bit and pray over them. And uh, welcome up our uh, senior high graduate. Here they come right now. We got a big group, so. So this is the graduating class of um, 2006, and we just like to let you know who they are and what their plans are. Uh, I'm Jackson Lino. I'll be graduating from Centennial High School, and I'll be going to BSU, studying uh, computer designing and drafting. I'm Anna Chapman. I'm graduating from homeschool. And I'm going to go to Alverson College of Idaho, and I'm going to run for president in 2024. Yeah. I'm Andrew Manson, and I'll be going. I'm be graduating from Capitol High. I'll be um, going to be an electrician for a year. I'm Chrissy Kirkland. I'll be graduating from Centennial, and I'm heading to Seattle Pacific next year to 
major in sports medicine. I'm Christina Duncanson, graduating from Capitol High, and I'm going to U of I, and I'm not sure what I'm studying yet. I'm Elise Claiborne. I'm graduating from Coal Valley Christian High. I'm going to Whitworth College in Spokane. I'm going to study international finance and accounting with a minor in French. I'm Abby Grass, and I'm graduating from Centennial High School, and I'll be going to University of Montana next year to play soccer and study journalism and creative writing. Hi, I'm Claire Ivins, and I'm graduating from Coal Valley, as well as Concordia International School, Shanghai, sort of. And I'm not sure where I'm going, so but I'm hoping to study Chinese and international studies, something like that. I'm Kayla Mabe. I'm graduating from Centennial High School, and I'll be going to the University of Idaho to study elementary education. I'm Caitlin McMahon. I'm graduating from St. Ambrose Christian High School, and I'm hopefully going to study nursing at Eastern Washington. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Lino. I'll be graduating from Centennial High School, and I'm going to go to NNU, but I don't know what I'm going to study yet. So. Hi, I'm Eric Bates, and I'm going to be graduating from Coal Valley High as well. And I'm probably going to be attending Cal Poly to study mechanical engineering. I'm Annie McLaughlin, and I'm graduating from Centennial. And I am registered at Concordia University in Portland to study social work. I'm Jessica Butch. I'm going to be graduating from Centennial High School and attending North Idaho College to study history. I'm Erin Murphy. I'm graduating from Centennial and I'm joining the Coast Guard. Hope to become a search and rescue swimmer. I'm Bethany Rieger and I'll be graduating from Centennial High School. And VSU's last option for me and I'm hoping to go to Southwestern Oregon Community College in Coos Bay and hopefully studying like family or child development kind of stuff. So. I'm Laura Schroeder and I'm graduating from Capitol High and I'm going to go to Utah State University and study history with an emphasis in education and minor in German. I'm Natalie Placed and I'm graduating from Coal Valley and I'm going to go to Corbin College and study business. I'm David Culpepper, and I'm graduating from Coal Valley. I'm going to Seattle Pacific to study pre-med. I'm Anton Shea, and I'm graduating from Centennial High School, and I'm going to go to University of Idaho to study bioengineering. Hi, I'm Jessica Naiman. I'm graduating from Timberline High School, and I'm considering going to Treasure Valley Community College to study child care and development. I'm David Tai, and I'm going to be graduating from Capitol High School. I'm going to attend the University of Idaho next year and hopefully study business. And yeah. <laughs> Let's give him a hand. Yeah. If you join me in prayer, uh, let's just pray for these. Father, we just thank you for the blessed opportunity we've had to um, care for your children uh, who have become adults and uh, who have uh, completed a significant uh, marker in their lives and chapters are changing and life's going in different directions. And Father, uh, the... 
it's, it's exciting, it's uh, grievous for parents who are watching their kids leave, but exciting at the same time. But the best part of it all is we know that uh, they stand firm with you and that wherever they go, you are with them. And we ask for your care over them. We ask that you would lead them to know you in a deeper way. We ask that you would uh, teach them of your grace and of your mercy and that they would be uh, people who go out and serve those around them and that they would be a people who uh, look like the Lord that they follow. And we ask, Lord, that you would just uh, keep them in our minds, that we might pray for them, and we ask that you'd give them success in the things that they do and that they would be good representatives of you and of their families. And we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Okay, that's enough of that. Love you guys. God bless. Good looking group. I was good looking once like that. Um, you know, as we as we talk about uh, Jesus again, uh, sending us out and to be. Uh, fishers of men, and to be used of him wherever God would stir. Um, we shared with you a while ago that uh, Dennis Dixon uh, has been called uh, to step out of ministry here and to see what God is doing with him next, to trust in him to cast his net in a different area. And so, uh, Dennis, we're, come on up, and, and we want Dennis and uh, our brother Tom Bowen to come on up and Dennis is going to share with you what, uh, what God is doing uh, with him and uh, what is the next season of ministry. So, yep. Well, good morning. Uh, we announced about, what, a month and a half ago that Judy and I would be leaving Cole, and uh, we were trying to think through what we wanted to do with the rest of our lives, and uh, we've decided and believe that after a lot of prayer and talking with many of our close friends that know us well, uh, that God is calling us to start a church in the Treasure Valley because of the number of people that are moving here. This is not necessarily a new dream. This goes back probably three or four years ago. But at that time, uh, neither Judy nor I was prepared. Uh, the circumstances weren't right for us to leave. Here at Cole, we believe that God had us here for a reason. Uh, so over the last really couple years, this has been a dream. But when I stepped down, I honestly had to consider a couple other things in my life, whether I would just take a break from ministry, see what God had for us. I thought of some other opportunities with Young Life, which is where I came to Christ through. I still have a, a heart and a love for that. I still love teenagers. But I also have such a, a desire to see a lot of who we are here at Cole, as well as several other churches in the valley, to just keep spreading that net, as Rod put it. There's going to be some 250,000 people in the next five years. I was at a Young Life banquet the other night, so there's going to be 28 to 29,000 teenagers in the valley in the next 10 years. And I believe it's time, part of our desire, our goal is to start a church that would become a church-planting church in the Treasure Valley. That's what we desire. That's what we're praying for. Uh, but we know that God's got to do that. 
Uh, we don't have what it takes to do it. Um, so we began entering into a conversation with the staff and elders. They have uh, blessed us, not only verbally. Don's going to come up in a few minutes and share how they're helping us out financially, how they're going to, the elders are going to uh, actually move us in a direction that we can get our work and devotion to this startup church uh, going in the right direction. Uh, the name of this startup is going to be Common Ground Christian Fellowship. And that's because uh, Tom and I and several others believe we have more in common with the people out there than we do in terms of building walls and keeping the lost out. We want people to enter this church as well as many other churches and find the person we love and are devoted to, and that's our, our uh, friend and Savior, as we just sang, uh, Jesus Christ. We also believe that it's biblical to go in twos. I'm getting old. I'll, I'll be 57 this summer. I have no idea what I'm doing going out and starting a church at this age. However, uh, it, it seems to be the right time. And that's why Judy and I and our friendship with Tom and Lisa, which is probably the other reason uh, we didn't start this thing three or four years ago, because we didn't even know these people then. And uh, Tom's uh, along to uh, be my partner. My, uh, uh, <laughs> my Timothy, so to speak. Uh, I, uh, Tom and I have very different gifts, uh, but that's why we believe God has brought us together. Uh, again, I cannot reiterate how much we love this church. You people, the elders and staff, have invested in Judy and I and now in Tom and Lisa, and I, I believe that's part of the preparation for going out. Uh, as Don's going to share in a minute, yeah, we've had our differences, but those differences are not the reason we are leaving. I told Don that uh, come the end of my tenure here, because I live so close to church, I'm going to walk in, open my door, get a cup of coffee here in the kitchen, and I'm going to leave, because that's what I do most of the time around here. Love these brothers. I can't tell you how great of a retreat we had together this uh, two weeks ago. Very special. Uh, Tom, you want to just add some things here? Yeah, I just left, uh, I just left the junior high room, and I uh, just want to encourage you as parents to really follow through with all of your students who are over there right now. Um, everyone was in real good spirits, but we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount, and um, we're at the passage where Jesus talks about being able to tell a disciple by the fruit that he bears, and I just want everyone to hear that this is just a tremendous opportunity to bear fruit in this valley. I mean... Literally, all of us are aware of the fact that there are hundreds of thousands of people moving here, and there aren't enough churches. I mean, there's just not enough churches in the valley to even seat them all. Um, I've got the students over there praying right now. I think Young Life, well, I heard a statistic that Young Life says that there's like 28,000 teenagers moving here in the next five years, not to mention all the hundreds of, is that good? Oh, did you? Oh, I wasn't, I don't listen to you anyway. <laughs> Yeah, this, yeah, I just heard that. <laughs> well, now you've heard it twice. Three times you'll remember. <laughs> oh, seriously, there, um, it's just an unprecedented, uh, you know, calling for just, just a real sense of a missional calling to reach out to these folks. You know, these folks don't have family in the area. They don't have roots in this area. And I just want all of you to hear and know that this is a... Uh, 
a burning heart desire to minister to those folks. And that, that's where this stems from. It's a very, um, it's God working in, in our hearts to do this. So thank you. Uh, it just occurred to me this morning, I remember, oh, a dozen or so years ago, not that much. <laughs> I remember uh, a dozen or so years ago hearing a field staff person say, gee, uh, it seems like I'm always saying goodbye to people. I wish I could just stay in one spot for a while, and uh, then I wouldn't have to do that. But uh, I've been on staff here for almost 20 years, and I have not experienced that. God keeps moving his people around. Uh, I haven't gone anywhere, but I've been saying goodbye to people uh, a lot in those 20 years. God just keeps moving us. And we love these guys. We love Dennis and Tom and Lisa and Judy, and uh, we don't want to see them go, but that's what God is calling them to. And we know he's going to use them uh, out there. Uh, in another church, just the way he's used them here. So even though this is uh, not our plan, this is God's plan. And we want to take joy in that, and we want to love these brothers and sisters as well as we can. But we just want to take a minute this morning to let you know uh, just a little bit of information in terms of what we're doing as we walk through this, and uh, as Dennis mentioned a moment ago, and uh, also a little bit about what we're not doing. Uh, what we are doing is we are all being obedient to God's call to them. They've heard this call, and so they're going, and, and uh, we take joy in that with them. We're letting them go as God uh, has directed them to go, so that's happening. And uh, we want to love them and bless them in every uh, way that we reasonably can. And the way we're practically caring for them it, uh, takes some, some uh, very concrete forms, uh, we're going to continue to pay their salary and benefits through the end of July. As of the 1st of uh, June, so through June and July, their work assignment here will be to go out there and to spend full time uh, doing the work that they need to start this church, to put it on a good foundation. And, and so by the end of July, they'll be ready to move forward with that. We've also agreed while they are... Uh, in the process of setting up uh, this church and filing their documents, incorporating it as they're required to do in the state of Idaho, that we at Cole will act as a depository. So if any of you or others want to give to this church, um, we will take that money. We will uh, guard it for them until they're ready to go out, and then we'll hand it over to them as soon as they have their incorporation papers done. So we're going to um, work directly with them um, and uh, on every step, we've planned all this together, um, and we think we have a good plan. Uh, Lisa, by the way, Tom's wife, who is a ministry assistant for the junior high ministry, is going to stay through the summer and maybe even beyond if she's needed to make sure that we have a, a good transition in the junior high area there. So we're closely guarding uh, everything that we do. We're doing it jointly. And uh, we think that so far, at least, that we're making a good plan. So we would ask you to take joy in that with us as we do that. Uh, we would ask you to give money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we're not, we're, we haven't decided that's a good idea yet, but we haven't agreed on that. There's 28,000 
What we're not doing as a church, we're not sending them out to plant a church, to plant a daughter church of coal. We are not doing that. The new church will be unique. It won't be a clone of coal. It won't be related to us, although we continue to have uh, a lot of love for these families. So we're not helping them design that church. So why is it happening this way? Why aren't we sending them out? Um, Well, this is their vision. Uh, Right now, we at Cold do not have a vision for planning a church. That doesn't say we never will, but right now, that that is not what we've decided to uh, do. Our vision is an equipping and discipling uh, vision here at Cole. That's the ministry that we want to have, teaching the word, building people up through life-on-life ministry. And Dennis and Tom are products of that vision. They're a part of that vision. They're going out after having been invested into by us here at Cole, and they're going out now to take that investment to the to uh, God's broader kingdom, and we, uh, we take joy in that. This is who we want to be as a church, and we continue to, uh, to work on that emphasis. All of us, every Christian here, every Christian in the world is part of God's kingdom, and we don't own anyone. We don't want to keep them here. So uh, we want you to know that that's our attitude. We want you to be free to talk to Tom or Dennis. Uh, we want you to... to um, Find out about this church if you have an interest in that uh, by talking to them, and we don't want to inhibit that. However, we do ask you to understand that we've asked them to focus on the ministries here through the end of May. So if you would just kind of guard that a little bit and, um, and not be a distraction to them as you talk to them, that would be great. We'd sure appreciate that. But feel free to connect with them. Um, we know you'll want a lot more detail about this, or at least some folks in the body will, so we're planning a congregational meeting on the 21st of May here at Cole at, uh, well, I think 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We haven't landed on that yet, but that seems to be a good time. So these folks will be there, and we'll have time for questions and, and finding out more information. So right now as we, uh, as we dismiss this morning, let's just pray for these guys and for our fellowship. Lord, thank you for these two families. Thank you for their love for you, their desire to follow you. Uh, And as Dennis has expressed, there's, there's not a total comfort level here, but there is a risk. They're taking it. They trust you with it. We trust you with it. And take joy with them. Lord, they're... They're your people, as is everyone here. You will guide and direct us as you choose. Lord, we may hear you, that we may hear you, each one of us, and be willing to follow wherever you lead. And so thank you for all the years. It's not easy to see them go. It's not something that we would have chosen, but, Lord, you have. So thank you for that. Thank you for drawing us into your plan. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Have a great week, and uh, you're dismissed. Thank you.